there's plenty of challenges that come with frozen supply chain, frozen storage, frozen selling, et cetera. But one beautiful part is from a shelf life standpoint, you can use really fresh, great organic ingredients and freeze them and they're going to last a while. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm talking with Jake Kneller, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sweet Nothings. And Sweet Nothings is a brand of ready-to-eat spoonable smoothies that Jake is going to tell us all about. So welcome to the podcast, Jake. We're thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I have listened to many, many of your past episodes, so it's exciting to be able to chat. Oh, awesome. We're excited to chat as well. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about Sweet Nothings and how you started it and why? Yeah, absolutely. So you nailed it with the tagline. Really, our main product today is a spoonable smoothie cup. So if you can picture sort of a 3.5 ounce single serve and dogs ice cream cup, it's that same size, but we blend just organic fruits, nuts, and seeds into a ready-to-eat frozen smoothie. Our products are organic, plant-based, and no added sugar. And we're really focused on bringing a truly healthy product to the frozen aisle. I I can get a little bit more into some of the other pieces in a minute, but our big unlock that we found is we merchandise next to bagged frozen fruit in our grocery store partners because that customer loves the idea of a convenient ready-to-eat product, but isn't necessarily spending their time discovering new ice cream. That's interesting, actually. I didn't realize where you were merchandise. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm sure there's so many things to talk about, but I love hearing a little bit about frozen because I think for a really long time, the frozen food aisle got a terrible rap. And I think that has changed over the past couple of years and it's starting to really pick up speed and become a place where there are really healthy things to find. So can you talk a little bit about, did you think about that as you guys were thinking about launching a brand like this? Yeah, absolutely. And for the product itself, it was really my co-founder, Beth, who created the first version of of what we're selling today and loved the idea of being in Frozen. She felt like that was, to your point, really an aisle where brands were able to hide tons of preservatives and oils and added sugar and tons of salt and for no real reason, right? Like there's plenty of challenges that come with frozen supply chain, frozen storage, frozen selling, et cetera. But one beautiful part is from a shelf life standpoint, you can use really fresh, great organic ingredients and freeze them and they're going to last a while. There's no need to use some of the additives and, and crap that you see in a lot of these brands. So as we looked at the frozen aisle within grocery stores and tried to figure out where we fit in best, frozen fruit pretty quickly became a no-brainer. It's not the sexiest aisle and it hasn't really changed much in several decades. But we knew that that customer really was buying frozen fruit for a variety of reasons, but a big one being to make smoothies at home. Yet we'd hear from customers that 
they were sick of having all the right ingredients in the house and cleaning their blender and blending and figuring out the right combination of ingredients. So we, I think, saw an evolution in Frozen over the last few years of more of these smoothie kits where you can just put in they have a bagged pre-mixed combination of berries and bananas and all these other things. And that was sort of step one. And then we think sort of the evolution in step two is these ready-to-eat pre-blended smoothie cups like our product. I really love that. And I think you're onto a really big insight. I mean, as you're talking about the, I mean, it feels like it should be so easy, but it's not that easy, actually. Like you need a lot of stuff to make a good smoothie and you make a decent sized mess. And so I love the idea of making that all so much simpler for people. And it is really close to fresh. So I also think that's a big development in Frozen. The fact that people are talking about it in a way that's much different than they used to. It's not a place to get crappy food now. It's a place to go get things that are healthier and closer to fresh than any other way of getting it aside from actually fresh. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, even just as N of one, my own shopping, like I find myself buying organic frozen broccoli and organic frozen spinach and mushrooms more than I buy fresh, not because I don't like fresh, but schedules are all over the place. And you just never know exactly what planning looks like. And it's so nice to have this stuff that was frozen at peak nutrition and peak freshness in your freezer at all times that you can throw into a stir fry or a pasta or whatever it is. So it's exciting for our product, but more broadly, people opening their eyes to all the benefits that the frozen aisle have is encouraging as well. Yeah, that's incredible. So how's it going? Talk about how it was for you to launch a brand and get distribution in grocery. Yeah, I mean, it is a challenge and it's it's definitely an uphill battle as you just look at the sheer number of new brands and the sheer square footage of these grocery stores. It's always going to be a tough competitive process. I think for us and the advice we got early on and have tried to live by is really just understanding how powerful a success story at a small scale can be as you look to be a broader scale. So we really started on the retail side with one store independence or two to three store small regional chains. And we're able to tell great data stories there of, hey, this is an incremental purchase. Along with buying a bag of frozen fruit, someone's buying sweet nothings because they like making smoothies, but some days they don't have time. Or sometimes it's 3 p.m. and their kid is asking for another snack and they can't even think about creating another mess in the kitchen. So we've been able to tell those stories at a smaller scale. And then as we started getting opportunities to pitch these larger retailers, both on a regional and national level, we had more data and and more anecdotal comments and stories to share to really help these buyers envision why this is going to help their set. I got the advice really early on from someone that, hey, a, a buyer at random chain X isn't going to care if your popcorn is better than your competitor's popcorn. Because if there's still only one bag of popcorn being purchased, that doesn't really matter to them. And it doesn't really help their case with their boss. You need to explain why your popcorn is going to be purchased on top of the other popcorn because it's a different flavor or a different occasion or a different pack size or whatever it is. And that's really resonated with us as we've approached retail sales. Where did you guys get your advice from at the beginning? I feel like there's a lot of people I annoy over text and LinkedIn all the time still for advice. (laughs) It was a combination of 
people. One early mentor to mine who I still talk to all the time is Jane Miller. She was the CEO of Lily Sweets, the chocolate brand that just sold to Hershey's. And I actually met her at Expo West in 2017. I was doing like this MBA program called Embark at Expo West. And she was one of the guest speakers and then had lunch with us after. And I got to chatting with her and she's connected me to folks from the Lilies teams over the years. And I realized like what's so special about this industry, I worked in the finance industry for a while right out of undergrad, but in food, I really feel like people want to help each other. It feels especially cross categories that like, why not share knowledge and contacts and great vendors and interesting designers and all this stuff with one another in this better for you space when all of us have pretty similar passions and pretty similar goals. That's cool. I think that's interesting. I mean, first of all, that's really cool that you were in that program and it wasn't that long ago. So I want to talk about how long the brand has been around, but also I love the idea of just finding lots of mentors and just not being afraid to ask for advice because there are a lot of things that people already know that, and a lot of mistakes you don't have to make. Exactly. Exactly. And now I feel like there's some folks who are a little further or a little, not as far along as we are at this point, who I hope have gotten really comfortable with texting me anytime. Like sometimes we'll have a 30 minute call and share an update and talk through strategy. But a lot of times it's like, Hey, we're filling out this new UNFI vendor form. And we had a question on what this term means. And I can just text back in two minutes, knowing someone did that for me two years ago. And it feels good for me. And I know that it saves them hours of time and potentially a lot of pain if they're agreeing to something they're not aware they're agreeing to. So continuing to build and foster that community, I think is so important too. I think that's really nice to hear. You're probably going to have a lot of people on your LinkedIn (laughs) trying to connect (laughs) with you and get some advice. Oh, I welcome it. I welcome it. I know that we had taken a village to get us to where we are and happy Mm -hmm. to share that knowledge and transfer that knowledge wherever I can. Cool. Can you talk about where you are right now as a brand? I assume based on what you're saying, you did not start in the natural channel. So we actually started focused on food service. So Beth and I launched the brand in January of 2019. And Really, by launch the brand, I mean like incorporated as a business and decided we were going to make a real run at this. And obviously, take some time to figure out packaging and branding and co-packers and all that stuff. But fast forward to Q4 of 2019, mm-hmm. September, October timeframe, and we had a product ready to sell into market, had fulfillment figured out, had storage figured out, all that stuff. And we really focused on corporate cafeterias to start. We knew that there were, especially in the Bay Area where we were based, tons of these large corporate cafeterias who were constantly trying to discover new better-for-you snacks for employees. And we felt like we were bringing someone to the table that was super unique. So pretty quickly, we became a top-selling snack at Apple's headquarters in Cupertino, at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley's headquarters in New York City, and really were going down that path of knowing there were tons of opportunities there loving that our go-to-market was a bit unique so that we could build the brand with these consumers at their place of work. And then eventually they could find it at at their grocery store, those sorts of things. So that was initially where we were. Sounds like obviously a very smart decision. And then COVID happened. And I'm sure that that really changed your plans. Yeah, Beth and I were just reminiscing how like, obviously for the first week or two of COVID, everyone thought it was probably going to be a week or two. Uh So 
we weren't really changing our plans or our strategy. And then I'd say by April 1, we realized, okay, we need to either pivot or this business isn't going to work. So at that point, we really started sprinting on figuring out how to get into retail. And, And obviously, it was a crazy, hectic time. And a lot of buyers, understandably, had much different priorities and were focused on getting essential products back in stock. But those that did have the time and did respond to our our email were really intrigued by this product. They were having trouble keeping their freezers in stock. They loved having a convenient, ready-to-eat product to go alongside and complement their fruit. And this value proposition that we brought that I shared with you just a minute ago really resonated with them on why this was different and why it was incremental at a time where they were canceling new reviews, not bringing in new products, pausing launches, those sorts of things. So we think that sort of uniqueness of the product allowed us to circumvent a lot of that. And of course, there were still plenty of retailers where it just wasn't appropriate for us to even pitch in the midst of COVID. And now we're chatting with now. But that's sort of how we started our retail journey. And then to get to your question, today we're in thousands of stores throughout the country and we're also and that's across natural independent all over the map and then we also are available via major online retailers so our products are on thrive market they're on amazon fresh they're on good eggs in the bay area they're on fresh direct in the northeast you can get it via oberwise a big midwest distributor of frozen products so really all over the place and excited about some larger chain launches in 2022 that I can't share much about yet, but that are really exciting for our brand, along with continuing to push the envelope on innovation across new flavors, new form factors, et cetera. That's so cool. I just think it's so incredible. And I love, I don't know what your co-founder's background is, but the fact that you guys didn't give up at that point, like that was a big roadblock, like one of the big, I mean, I can't even imagine how that must've felt I mean, I know how it even felt for me just having my small marketing company, but as someone who was really just about to launch a brand and had all these plans to have that sort of door slam shut for a minute on food service, I think the way that you guys pivoted is pretty amazing, actually. Thank you so much. It was a punch in the gut. And we yeah. think, I mean, in a lot of a lot of ways, our timing was horrible, of course. Like brands that had just gotten into a lot of retail saw great list because everyone was spending all of their food money at grocery stores and those a little less far along sort of pumped the brakes a bit. But I do think we were in a place where it's not like we had been in the market trying to launch in retail for months and months. So we're discouraged. And then this was sort of the final straw. We were so naive about what launching in retail even would look like broadly Mm -hmm. that I think that sort of ignorance is bliss of, oh, how hard could this be? And now looking back at what we were able to achieve, it's something we're really proud of. But I don't even think we knew what we were getting into when we said, okay, we have to pivot to retail now. Yeah. Well, I think a lot, it's interesting because I'm sure if you've listened to some podcasts of mine, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who are sort of, that's what they do. They're serial entrepreneurs. They launch business after business after business. They know how hard it is already. And for whatever reason, they've decided it's worth it. And then there's the other side where you are, where you just literally didn't know what you didn't know and just kept charging ahead. And I think those are the two kinds of people that are really successful versus someone who sort of knows and sort of gets really nervous and scared. And I mean, you can't, like when you're an entrepreneur, that's what happens 
all the time. There's always some big challenge or hurdle or obstacle that you bump into. And I think the really successful people are the ones who can pivot quickly. And you guys didn't even know that you were going to, I mean, you didn't even know and you pivoted and, and went into one of the hardest aisles in one of the hardest industries. And I think that's so cool that you did that. I just love it. Thank you so much. And I think a lot of it comes down to a question you asked earlier that I, I didn't answer. And I just sort of remembered again, is sort of what drove us to start this. And I think yeah. as cliche as it is, or as corny as it sounds, like if you don't have a good reason that you're passionate about, then COVID comes and you go, oh, well, we tried, like what's next sort of that's thing. Right. But Seth and I, and, and we came from it from very different angles, but both of us have this deep passion of creating a truly good for you food brand where there are so many marginally better for you items now that we all call better for you mm-hmm. that consumers have convinced themselves are mm-hmm. healthy to eat incredible amounts of yet still unfortunately are filled with added sugars and added oils and all this stuff and not saying that we can never eat those things I definitely indulge myself but as we look at creating day-to-day habits, we didn't think there was really a brand in the market that was serving a nutrient-dense, antioxidant-rich, real product, whether it was in frozen or, or elsewhere. Of course, there's some, and when you shop the perimeters, there's plenty of options, but that's what really motivated us is our company's mission that our whole team talks about all the time is we want to make it easier for people to eat more of what they need and less of what they don't. Mm -hmm. So more of those antioxidant-rich, nutrient-dense, real foods that all of us or most of us are deficient in, despite the fact that we live in the developed world and have access to a lot of these foods, and less of what we don't. Less of the added oils and sugars and syrups and gums and stabilizers that have become commonplace in our food, but we want to show, is it necessary? As Beth always says, like, healthy tastes good, right? Like if you have a handful of fresh organic blueberries, they're delicious. Like everyone likes that, you know, you don't need to add other things to them. So our blueberry flavor, that's organic blueberries, organic beets, bananas, cashews, dates, chia seeds, and flax seeds. And that's it. Like it tastes really good because each of those ingredients tastes really good. And our hope is that we can help people understand that these healthy ingredients are delicious. So how are you going about helping people understand that and getting them to try your brand? Yeah, I mean, I think we use a variety of different of the classic marketing channels. We're really fortunate to have an incredible marketing director who leads those efforts named Lucy King. Lucy has a very established background from her most recent role as a marketing director and and brand manager at RxBar to spending time at Tyson and at General Mills. She's really been in the industry and we're lucky to have her leading those efforts for us. But one, it's sort of those usual efforts from social and, and influencer to finding ways to work directly with our partners like Thrive Market and Fresh Direct to reach their customer, whether it's through an email blast or a banner on the site, et cetera. But also we try to do it right on the packaging where we do have very transparent ingredients. You can see what's in the product. We have, with the little bit of room we have in our small cups, this organic plant-based spoonable smoothie, all-day snack, no added sugar, no gums or stabilizers, plant-based. Like really trying to just make it clear to people that it is real food, 
right? I think what we're trying to continue to do a better job of is differentiate that like plant-based and plant-forward are very different things. And we're trying to push this like plant-forward ingredient mix because French fries are plant-based and helping consumers understand that difference and not that just all plant-based is healthy, we think matters and consumers deserve to understand as well. That's a really great distinction because there's so much plant-based talk. Like, I mean, people are labeling everything plant-based and it doesn't matter if it's healthy. You're right. And I think that's really interesting to call something plant forward. Do you think consumers know what that means or are you having to really define it? Yeah. Or even like plant rich. And these aren't terms that we like use on packaging or marketing or anything yet, but we spend a lot of time internally thinking about like, how do we help people understand what is in this and what's intentionally not in this? Because at a grocery store, when we launch a new chain, like you have two seconds of someone walking by. So you need packaging that catches someone's eye, but also if you happen to catch their eye, then is intriguing enough and educates them enough in that moment, in that moment of making a decision to get them to give you a try. And what we found is that once people do try our product, they love it and they get it and it clicks and they try it again. Mm -hmm. So really trying to push that first purchase where one of our major online retail partners that we sell thousands and thousands of cups a week with recently let us know that our sales numbers are amazing, but only 3% of their customers had ever gotten sweet nothings, purchased sweet nothings. So incredibly encouraging because it means that those 3% are buying a lot of them, but also shows that we just need to continue to help people understand what this product is and really pushing that. I guess one other example I'll give is that like when it's clear to us that a consumer knows they're eating a frozen smoothie in a cup, they nine out of 10 times love the product. And where we come into some trouble is when somebody sees the format, buys it in frozen and is expecting ice cream because we'll be the first to say, hey, this product does not taste as good as Jenny's strawberry ice cream or salt and straw or Van Leeuwen or whatever your favorite sort of (laughs) indulgent premium ice cream is. I love those too. I have those in my freezer. I eat those. And that's not who we're trying to compete with. And that's not the occasion that we want people to eat this product. Yeah. It's a totally different occasion and it's a totally different product, but setting expectations of, oh, there's no added fats and added sugars is going to taste like my morning smoothie, not my strawberry ice cream is really important and something that we're continuing to try to push. Yeah. Interesting. What are your goals for the brand? Like, where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years? Yeah. I mean, I think maybe starting with five years, in some ways it's easier because we want to have created solutions across grocery aisles that take existing categories and create actually healthy versions of the products. So First line is the spoonable smoothie cups that we've talked about. We just recently launched our second line, a product called Superfood Nut Butter Bites. These are shelf-stable little snack bites that have an outer chewy shell of dried fruit and dates and cinnamon and oats and peanuts. And then you bite inside and it's just organic, creamy peanut butter. It's super exciting for us. And basically the goal for five years is, okay, whatever aisle you're in, there's a Sweet Nothings product and you are confident before you even look at the label that it's going to be convenient, it's going to be differentiated, and it's going to be nutritious. And that's really what we are pushing towards. That's awesome. Well, how are you guys doing with those bites so far? It's going really well. So we launched them last Wednesday on our site. 
That's cool. I just saw them on your site and I didn't think they were there the last time I looked. No, they weren't. They weren't. It's brand new. We didn't really tell anyone ahead of time. We wanted to see how it went. We made a lot of them. And one of the flavors is apple cinnamon. And we did that in collaboration with Rachel Mansfield. She's this amazing cookbook author and podcaster and influencer. She has a community of almost 500,000 people on Instagram and has just become a wonderful friend and believer in the brand. So one was a collaboration with her and that sold out entirely in 12 hours. We thought that would last us at least a month. So now we're rushing to get more produced. And then another on our own, that's a banana chocolate chip flavor. That's sold really well too, but compared to Rachel's skew, everything looks slow. So almost sold out of that one as well. Also going to need to make a lot more of that one soon, but we were just really, really blown away by the reception to the product line. Initial reviews from people who've received their products has been so positive and really energizing and encouraging for our team. So that's been a really exciting launch. And what's also been great is the emails and LinkedIn messages I've gotten from some of our retail partners, both brick and mortar and online being like, hey, I saw this new product. Like, when is it ready for me? That's and amazing. that's something that obviously never happens with a first product. So to be able to launch a first product with them, earn their trust, which is so important to us, have good enough sales that as we launch a second product, they're proactively asking us, what's the timing here? Love the concept, love the brand. It's really, really rewarding and encourages us to keep pushing. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, that's the dream, right? I mean, most of the time, I think brands are thinking, can I launch another product? Is the store going to embrace it? Am I going to have to give up another placement to have this? So it's so cool that they're reaching out to you and asking you when they're getting it. I think that's awesome. It's a really good sign. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's been exciting and there's lots of hard work ahead, but it is nice for all of us to start to see some of the hard work and groundwork that we've laid out start to come to fruition and pay off a bit. Yeah, it's so exciting. Do you have one or two really great pieces of advice for someone who's either thinking about launching a brand or is in the very early stages of launching a brand? I mean, you're sort of in an early stage, but it feels like you guys have come a long, long way in a very short and challenging period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost is really being honest about what your brand or product line is doing that is different than competitors. I know I gave the popcorn example earlier, but we found these buyers really are, there's such an influx of new products that like having another bar or another popcorn or another whatever yogurt, whatever it may be, that's the same flavor profiles and the same ingredients and similar branding, like that's not doing it for them anymore. There's enough happening in those aisles that you really need to think about what makes this product unique. And not only unique, but unique in a way that consumers care about. One of my mentors always says, adding caviar to a sweet nothing smoothable smoothie would make it unique. But is that something consumers care about and are willing to pay for? And that's the piece that I think a lot of young entrepreneurs or, or new entrepreneurs rather need to spend time thinking about is why in a crowded market would this buyer decide that I'm worth the shelf space? And it's not just going to be because they like me or because mm -hmm. they think the product tastes 
a bit better. Like there needs to be a more clear story on why this is going to be incremental to their set and help drive their revenue. And most importantly, make their consumers happy that they're discovering these awesome new products at grocery store X, Y, or Z. And I think spending the time upfront doing that is really important. One other thing that came to mind on the advice side is really finding great people early on. Of course, it's hard to hire people and it's expensive and you need to be at a certain point in your business. And and it was just Beth and I for a very long time, but we've been able to hire Lucy, who I mentioned earlier, and a great finance and ops lead and production lead and head of sales. And it's still a very small lean team and everyone rolls up their sleeves and does whatever they need to, to make this business work. But the rest of the team outside of Beth and I come from a deep background in food, and I can't explain how many mistakes we would have made without them and without their guidance and without their experience. So whether it's full-time hires or mentors and advisors, like we talked about earlier, like people are willing to help. And there's a lot of silly mistakes that I know we would have made if we didn't have these people and that I'm sure others would make too. So not being afraid to ask for that help or hiring that person with some experience in this space, I think is well worth the time and money. That's really good advice too. Oh yeah. I have one more question for you. And that's about, you know, you guys said it was just, you said it was you and Beth for a long time and then you started to hire people. What about raising capital? Have you done that? Yes, we have. So initially we were able to raise just from a variety of random factors. So I graduated business school in 2019. So I was working on this during my second year of business school. And some of my professors from some of my entrepreneurial focused classes invested some money and connected me with some other folks that they knew would be interested in something like this. Some other like people that we had just gotten to know in the industry over time. So it wasn't as much family and friends. There were some friends who put money in, but more like piecing together small checks here and Uh there to basically prove concepts out and that we were moving in the right direction and doing something different and making moves. And obviously in the very early days, paying ourselves nothing and then close to nothing and and really just trying to make the money last as long as we can and get as many proof points as we could before we needed to raise again. And then did raise a more sort of structured round, also focused on angels and operators and individuals who do a lot of investing in this space. And that's the beauty of this food world being so close-knit is you can message five other companies that you've gotten to know that are around your stage and say, hey, do you have any investors who you think would be interested in this product? And like, you'll get five introductions. Many of our investors came from other food companies of being like, oh, this person who's an investor of mine, like, would love something like this. Let me send them your deck and helping each other out in that way. And it's something that I've tried to do for others as well. That's amazing. That's really, really great. So what's next for you? We're looking toward 2022 planning and some of these new launches and some of this new innovation. And we're just really excited about what we've been able to accomplish. And I think one, trying to get better as an individual leader and for the team at celebrating our wins. Like there's a lot to be proud of. And I think because we're so busy, sometimes we keep our head down a bit too much yeah. and don't take the time to say, wow, that's really, really great progress. Something we should be proud of. But yeah, 2022 is looking really exciting. 
So starting to get ready for some of those launches and I'll be spending a lot of the fall focused on, I feel like I spent a lot of the last few months on sales and supporting and working with our sales director. And I feel like the next few months, I'm going to be very focused on operations, production, supply chain, ingredient purchasing, et cetera, as we get ready for this next big push. Amazing. Well, I would like to say congratulations to you because you really did come through an unbelievably difficult time with something that you switched it up like right at the beginning. That's pretty awesome. So I hope you do take some time to remind yourself how incredible that is because that isn't the same story for a lot of people. And a lot of people probably would have just folded up their tents and gone home at that point. And I think it's amazing that not only did you not do that, but you really figured out a way to make something that you believed in super successful. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to share a bit and hopefully share some little tidbits of wisdom with others going through the process now. And yeah, I'm grateful you reached out and so wonderful to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting with you. And I know this is going to be really inspiring for a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.